welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Vacaville, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We are so glad and honored that you would join us today, and we pray that this message you're listening to is a blessing to your day. We want to invite you to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service times. We hope to see you at a service or a special event sometime soon. On that, on this Sunday of service, if you have your Bibles and will turn with me to the book of Esther, chapter number four, and I know that we are very familiar with this passage of scripture, Esther, chapter number four, and most of you could at least in part quote this story, amen, but as I have been for the last few weeks, several weeks on and off focusing for this particular service uh, felt the Lord direct me in this way we are we are living in unique times we're living in unique times and I I think it's safe to say we, we don't need to go down the road we don't need to you know go over headlines I think we get it And an unprecedented sinful world needs an unprecedented on-fire church. Amen. Praise God. And as sinful as the world gets and as dark and sin it gets, the, 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 the light of the church needs to shine brighter. Amen. One of my favorite quotes, and we just celebrated Dr. King Day. One of my favorite quotes he said was, is hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Amen. Complaining about it ain't going to do anything about it. Shaking our fist and saying how wicked it ain't going to do anything. But when the church shines a light in the darkness... Get involved in service in the kingdom of God. That's how we make a difference in the world. Amen. Real fast, I want to say to our guests, we are so glad you're at First Church Vacaville today. Thank you so much for being with us on this Sunday of service. And we want you to stick around as soon as service. Don't leave. Just go check out the ministry fair. They got cookies. And I saw they had some oatmeal cream pie. Save one of them for me. Amen, and, and there's all kinds of goodies back there. You don't have to sign. Just go see it. Check it out, all the ministries um, that are available here at First Church uh, Vacaville. And when God blesses us with a bigger facility, there's going to be more ministries. Amen. Praise God. Esther chapter number 4 and verse number 14. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Look at your neighbor and say, God brought you to the kingdom. Now look at them, do it convincingly. Look at them with conviction. Say, God brought you to the kingdom for such a time as this. 
Look at somebody else and say, you're not here by accident. You're in the divine design of God to be in his kingdom at this time. I want to preach to you on that thought for such a time as this. And my, my subtopic would be the kingdom is calling. The kingdom is calling. Let's pray together right now. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the life-changing impact your word has had on each one of us. And Lord, I'm asking this afternoon, Lord, would you speak through me? Would you anoint us, O oh God, to not only be hearers of your word, but doers also? And Lord, I pray that before this is all said and done, that there would be lives transformed and spirits lifted and re-engaged to be in the service of the kingdom. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everyone said amen. And why don't we just thank the Lord one more time before we're seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I, I know many of us are quite familiar with this story. And uh, the story of Esther is, is a challenge uh, sometimes to preach from, like many of the well-known stories in Scripture, simply because we do know them and we are so familiar with them that oftentimes um, our attention can be lost in the familiarity of a story. But I, I still believe there's a lot to be gained from the story of Esther. As a matter of fact, I know it's rare to hear this message preached for men because it's almost exclusively preached to young women in a ladies' conference type setting. Amen. But I believe that there is parallel of the life of Esther for all of us in this place. I believe that Esther is somewhat a perfect type and shadow, foreshadowing of the church of Jesus Christ. And if you'll bear with me this afternoon, I would like to make the case that Esther is a somewhat perfect type and shadow of the New Testament church that is bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, for, for starters, Esther, Esther was a stranger in a strange land. She was a pilgrim in a strange land. She did not belong where she was. You see, she was an Israelite. She was Hebrew. She was Jewish. And she was living under the rule of King Xerxes in, in the Persian uh, Empire, which spans modern-day uh, Iran and Iraq. And King Xerxes I uh, had conquered Israel. God had allowed, now if you'll bear with me a few moments, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a backstory. I think we'll, we'll, we'll paint in greater focus the beauty of Esther and how she relates to our life as the church. And King Xerxes had conquered. He had, he had went all throughout what is modern day Middle East, North Africa, and even into Greece and parts of Italy, conquering the world at that time with his uh, mighty army. And God allowed Israel 
uh, to be taken captive and taken, uh, even the prophets Jeremiah would write about this and Isaiah would write about this and, and how they were at the rivers of Chebar and Babylon and talk about their captivity that God would allow Israel to be taken captive because they would not serve him or they would go drifting and serving other gods. And so God allowed them to be taken in captivity. And so when uh, uh, Esther is taken into captivity, we, the best we can understand, she was just uh, a young girl. And somewhere in the journey, uh, her parents died in the journey. She was orphaned. So not only was she a foreigner in a strange land, but she had also been orphaned and she was all alone. And, and she, she didn't have a parent. She didn't have any siblings that we are aware of. And so now she is an orphan. She has been alienated. She is in a foreign land. I'm, I'm going to tell you, uh, we don't belong to this world. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. I thank God we lived in, in we live in the most blessed and prosperous nation on earth. Amen. And my my natural citizenship says the USA. Amen. But my eternal citizenship is not in this world. Amen. It's not Democrat or Republican. It's not American. It's not North. My citizenship belongs to a it, it belongs to a country I've never seen before. Amen. The old songwriter says, I'm, I'm kind of homesick for a country to which I've never seen before. I, my heart longs to go to a place. You can call me crazy, but I'm homesick for a place I've never been before. I don't belong to this world anymore. We're just strangers in a strange land. We're just pilgrims passing through. Amen. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. That's what I'm looking for. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world. Call me old-fashioned, but this world just don't suit me anymore. I don't belong to this world. I'm a citizen of another country. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus purchased my citizenship on the hill called Calvary 2,000 years ago. And when I was baptized in his name and filled with the Spirit, I joined up to become a citizen of another world. Hallelujah. I left, the, I left the democracies or the republics of this world and I stepped into the kingdom of God. Amen. The Bible said translated into the kingdom of his dear son. I don't belong. That's why this world system sickens me. That's why the monetary system and the political system and all the systems of the world don't settle with a born again believer because our spirit says we're not of this world. I feel like a bird in a cage. I'm just ready to spread my wings and lift up out of here and go somewhere that I've never been before. Amen. She is a stranger in a strange land, and that, that makes Esther somewhat of a, a beautiful and perfect typology uh, of us and the New Testament church. Amen. Because she was a stranger. Everybody say a stranger. 
in a strange land. She was orphaned. She was cut off from her lineage. She had lost her parents. She had been alienated. And now here she is as a young girl trekking across the eastern part of the Middle East and going into the deserts of Iran and Iraq and, and traveling alone. We don't know exactly how, but history can teach us of customs. Either, either she rode in, in, in very crude wagon trains or she walked behind uh, wagon trains with her arms and her ankles shackled as she went as a as a slave into a land she had never been before. Amen. I was a slave to sin until I got to the altar. I, I was following the way of sin. I couldn't get free from my addiction. I couldn't get free from my past and my shame. Amen. I, I just couldn't do it. But all of a sudden, when I found myself at Calvary, amen, the devil ain't never made a lock that Jesus don't hold the key to. And he reached down and he unshackled me from the burden of my sin. And like Esther, I started out in this thing a slave because he that committed sin is a slave to sin. But whom the Son has made free is therefore free indeed. And I'm free by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm not here to preach that, but, but uh, amen, I can't help but say it. I'm trying to uh, lay out a, a apologetically correct uh, case for that. Esther is a perfect type and shadow of the New Testament church. She was a slave. She was in bondage. Amen. And then she gets into uh, the Persian Empire, now in modern-day Iran, in a city called Susan, which, uh, which uh, is Susan, if you say it in English, is more Susan, uh, which is in modern-day uh, Western Iran, and that was where the palace of 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 uh, Darius the, uh, was there, and so uh, or King Xerxes the first, and and she is now there, and and there was a custom of the kings of that time, if they were a kingdom that was to sustain any longevity at all, uh, when they would defeat a people, they would then take the smartest of that people, whether they were engineers or scientists or or doctors, they would keep them because it would help further their civilization. And so they wouldn't just kill everybody. They would put them in the service of the king. And, um, um, and, and either by force or willingness, they would go into the service of the king. And this is why you see architectures in Rome that, that were, uh, that were uh, centered around maybe modern-day France or Germany. Or you go to the Mongol Empire and you see European um, um, construction and architecture because those kings would take unto them the smartest of their kind and they would hold on to them and then they would make slaves out of the people they had conquered. But another thing that the kings would do, especially of the Middle East at that time, is they would take the most beautiful woman from every from every nation they had conquered and, and they would put her into, and in the case of King Xerxes the first, they would put these women, and, and there were many of these women, they would put them into a, for lack of a better term, historically, a school for at least one year. They, 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 they couldn't just they couldn't just say, oh, she's pretty enough, but they had to learn customs and mannerisms. They had to learn the language. They had to learn how to dress. They had to learn how to talk. They had to learn how to walk. They had to learn what was appropriate to speak and not appropriate to speak because, listen, you ain't in your home anymore. And that might have been okay for where you were, but you're in a new kingdom now, and so... 
things are a little more different. They're, they're different in this kingdom. We don't just do what we used to do there. And so, so some things are going to change if you're going to be in the court of the king. Now, if you just want to be a, a dreg, if you just want to be on the outside of the city, if you just want to live out there in poverty, or if you just were content to be in slavery, you step. But if you're going to get in the palace, in the court of the king, some things are going to have to change. And they put them in the school for a year. Not only would they teach them all the ways uh, of what was correct and what was not correct, how to dress, how to walk, how to talk, how to do all of these things, what was manners and customs and all, because you're in a new kingdom. You see, it's somewhat of a perfect illustration because when you're born again into the kingdom of God, you can't bring in the mess you used to do because now you've got to start changing once you're in the kingdom of God. You can't talk like you used to talk, walk like you used to. You can't be just who you were. No, because you're a part of a new kingdom now. See, there's things that were acceptable in the kingdom of darkness that are not acceptable in the kingdom of light. And these women had to learn that what might have been acceptable over there is not going to be acceptable over here. And so for at least one year, they would go through this schooling. Not only did they school them, but they groomed them. And I mean physically groomed them. Uh, they would massage them with oils and perfumes and, 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 and all kinds of exotic milk and all of these things they thought that would make them more beautiful. They learned the ways that would entice the king and, and, and things that the king would love and his favorite types of food and his favorite types of gifts. He was so important that if you wanted to be a queen and you just didn't want to be a part of his harem, you, you needed to know what pleased the king because you wanted to be a queen. You see, just a concubine didn't have rights to the kingship. It needed to be a queen. You needed to be in a covenant of marriage. And so you had to learn, amen, what it was that the king liked, amen, what kind of shoes he liked, uh, where he liked his shoulders rubbed, amen, uh, uh, how he liked a woman to have her hairstyle. You had to learn all of that. If you want, you, and, and I know you're saying, well, I wouldn't do that for no man, and you probably wouldn't have, and you probably wouldn't have been in the palace either. You'd have been, you'd have been out the, outside the city saying, see, I can't ever get a break. Well, nobody ever gave me a chance. Nobody gave you a chance because you weren't willing to jump in the game. Oh, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. And you blame everybody else for your problems, but you look right back in the mirror, and that's who the problem is. And it's, that's for me, too. I just wouldn't have done it. Well, I hope you enjoyed digging ditches. You'd have done that the rest of your life. I don't care how pretty you are, how talented you are. doesn't matter if you can fling your hair over your shoulders like Farrah Fawcett. It doesn't matter. Does it entice the king? You see, when you get in the kingdom of God, you stop living for things that make you satisfied in your flesh, you start living in a way what makes the king happy. What can I do to please the king? Used to is what could I do to please my flesh? What party are we going to? What club are we going to go to? What are we going to smoke, shoot, drink? What are we going to do? Who are we going to wink at, whistle at? Who are we going home with? All of this, that used to make. But when we got in the kingdom of God, we stepped into a new dominion. And all of a sudden, it wasn't about us anymore. It's all about him. And so it may look crazy when we clap and when we wave our hands and when we dance and when we run. All of these things may look strange. I mean, say, why are you going Go to church and get all sweaty in your nice clothes. Not because here's why. It don't make sense to people outside the kingdom, but those inside the kingdom realize the king delights in this. And if the king delights in this, if the king delights in this, I'm going to give it to the king. Amen. Amen. And so Esther is set aside. She's in this 
schooling. And so the Bible tells us in Esther chapter 2 that there was a day. You see, Xerxes was already married. And being a king whose word is absolute law, you could find quite a few loopholes. Circa King Henry VIII. He couldn't divorce his wife, so he founded a new church. He got rid of the Roman Catholic Church, started the Church of England. And uh, when they wouldn't grant divorces, he'd just say, well, my wife was in witchcraft, and they'd burn her at the stake, and he'd find a new wife. Because the words, king, a king of a, the words of a king was power and his absolute law. But Xerxes didn't have that issue because he could do whatever he wanted to do and command whatever he'd want to command. And the Bible tells us in chapter 1 that, that, that King Xerxes had been married from scholars believe at least three years to Queen, uh, uh, to Queen Vashita. And Queen Vashita was renowned for her glorious beauty. And he wanted to show her off. Amen. He wanted the world. He wanted his kingdom and he wanted his enemies to look upon the beauty of his queen and to be taken back by her. But all of a sudden she got something in her crawl. That's another way of saying she got a hitch in her giddy up. That's another way of saying she was cantankerous. You know what? She didn't think she needed to please the king anymore. Because she's the queen. This is usually where marriages really hit the rock on a rackety ship anyway. Well, I don't need to please him. I don't have to please her. Well, you go ahead and think like that. Somebody else will. I don't, I don't think I should have to do that anymore. Don't do it. There's a hussy at work that will. There's a low-down, dirty tomcat lurking around the mail route. He will. Y'all got it. It's PG today. Read between the lines. You, 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 you can't just say, well, I got them. They're trapped. Because the basis element in humanity is going to find a way out of misery. And she said, I don't got to please the king anymore. And she decided when he went to show her off to the kingdom and her beauty, she decided, yeah, I don't want to be seen today. And to say he was upset would be an understatement. To say that he was a little put off by this would be an understatement. Matter of fact, he got rid of the woman. And he turned to his eunuch and said, you go and find me the most beautiful women because I'm going to marry again. And Queen Vashida is over there thinking this was her lot in life and nothing would ever change until somebody kicked her out of the palace and put her in the doghouse. Let, let me say it like this. God don't have to do anything. He's the king. But he is bound only by his word. We can never get to the point in believing that we are holding God hostage. 
that if God don't do it, it ain't gonna, he don't do it through me, it ain't going to get done. We think that we're just going to hold God's hands back and say, well, Lord, you promised that you were going to do it through me, and since I don't feel like it right now, then you're just going to have to wait till I get around. That's not how God works. See, you see, God's got an Esther somewhere. I said, God's got an Esther somewhere. God ain't, God ain't going to break himself and break his kingdom and cause his kingdom to falter because we don't want to do something. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Amen. If I don't preach this gospel, amen, God's got a drunk under a bridge somewhere that he'll save and clean up and they'll preach it better than I could. Amen. If you think your talent holds God hostage, honey, you got another thing coming. He's got a crackhead somewhere he'll save. He'll raise them up, put them in your spot. You see, you can't get the Vashida spirit that says, well, I'm queen and the king is bound. No, 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 no. You see, if we're not a willing participant, the king at some point will move on from us. Say, I'm going to pray for it. I'm going to love you, but I can't let you hold my kingdom hostage. There's too many people that need to be saved, too many people that need to be reached. And so if I won't do it, he'll find somebody else that will. And before we start saying, well, it's my this and my that, my ministry this, my, you better hold on just a second. You better hold on just a second. God wants to use you, said he'll use you, he will use you. But the moment we use God's word as handcuffs to him, God will flip and say, I'll raise somebody else up. I'll put somebody. You see, God's always got an Esther waiting in the wings. So let's talk about her. This beautiful woman, very profound woman. There's only two books in the Bible named after women, and Esther's one of them. Ruth is the other. I think we ought to take note of that. What a woman. We know really seemingly so little about her. All we know is this, is that she was beautiful enough to get selected to live in the runner-up palace. How pretty are you? Close enough to be living with all these other women. <laughs> Here's what we know that her name was not actually Esther. But her name in Hebrew was Hadassah. That's a beautiful name. Hadassah. Say it with me. Hadassah. Look at somebody and give them a little attitude and go, Hadassah. Amen. That was her name. But as were the custom when you went in to a conquered, as a conquered people, you took on their names. And so they gave her a name of Esther. She took on a new name when she got in the new kingdom. She came in Hadassah, but then she became Esther. We're going to change your identity because you're not what you were. You belong to another kingdom. I'm glad the Bible tells me that I took on his name in water baptism. Oh, hallelujah. There's a new name written down in glory. I might, I might have been a, an, a liar, an addict, or whatever I was, but once I got in the kingdom of God, I took on a new name. 
so, so, so watch this. She, her name is Hadassah. Everybody say Hadassah. I, I'm trying to hurry. Her name was Hadassah. They changed her name to Esther. You see, Hadassah is Jewish. Esther is a Greco-Persian name. It's, it's a compound between Greek and Persian. You see, her name, Hadassah, in Hebrew means hidden. But her name, Esther, in Greco-Persian means star. Or day star or noon star. See, when you get where God wants you, he'll take you from hidden You don't hide stuff in the light. You hide it in the dark. See, I was in darkness, and my identity was darkness of sin. But when I got in the kingdom of God, all of a sudden, he changed my name, and he took me from shame and darkness and hidden and behind and beneath and below. And when I got in the kingdom of God, he changed my name to star or light. We don't know a lot about her, but we know that, that, that her name meant she was a star that shined in the daytime. Boy, a light's got to be pretty bright to shine in that blue sky. That means she was a light among light. I said she was a light among light. She wasn't as big or as bright as the sun because we'll never be as big or as bright as God. But we're bright enough to be seen. We don't really know how old she was. Now, there are two schools of thought. Several months ago when I was doing uh, some of the work for the doctrinal thesis that I did, is I began to study this on Esther and found out there's two very strong and competing schools of thought with the age of Esther. They really don't know exactly because the Bible doesn't say, here's her birth certificate. Now, we typically see her as a teenager, and in most likelihood, she would be somewhere entering into that school, probably somewhere around 14 years of age. Now, I know that's kind of weird, but back then, that was acceptable. But the Hebrew Talmud, which is the rabbinical oral law, says they believe that she was somewhere around 40 years old. So she, 40. Now, other scholars of the Talmud believe she was 67, and some still believe she was 70. What I'm trying to say is this. Here she is. She's a stranger in a strange land. They're speaking a language she don't know. She's an orphan. She doesn't really have any family. And here she is. She's either too young or too old. But when God got ready to use that girl, she said, here am I. Use me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
And, and so we don't know exactly how. So she could have been young. She could have been old. Er. The Bible, uh, uh, the, the, the Jewish Talmud actually also tells us it names seven women in the Old Testament as prophetess. Esther is one of them. Why? Because when it came time for her people to be saved, she didn't feel qualified. She didn't feel worthy. She didn't think she'd be selected. But she had an uncle who went to her one night because he was in the council of the kings. And he said, listen here, girl, I'm going to tell you something. You've been playing games in this little school long enough. I've gotten it on good authority that that sucker over there named Haman, he's going to kill every one of us that are Jewish. And I'm going to tell you something, girl, your days of playing with dolls and Barbies and having a good little time over here in the kingdom and just enjoying the perfume and the shoulder massages and going to the beauty parlor and having your hair and nails done, that's over, honey. Let me tell you something, girl. If, this, if these people, the Hebrew people, your people are to be saved, you're going to have to go entice the king. You're going to have to represent every one of us and get the attention of the king. And I could see Hadassah, who is now. Now Esther saying to her uncle, I can't do that. He doesn't even know my name. There are so many others that he could choose from. There are so many that are more beautiful than, than I, that are more gifted, more talented. They come from the right family. They've got the right pedigree. And I can see Mordecai. I look at her and say, honey, but don't you ever forget the blood that's running through your veins because you aren't just a nobody. Hadassah, I need you to know, girl, that you come from the lineage of Saul. You have royal blood flowing through your veins. You aren't just a nobody because you are a descendant of a king. I'm telling you, you are not a nobody. You are the descendant of royalty. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel like shouting right now. I don't care who your mama was, who your grandpappy was. It doesn't matter what your last name is. It doesn't matter if you're rich, poor, tall, short, fat, skinny. It doesn't matter if you're pretty, ugly. It doesn't matter what you are. When you came into the kingdom of God, amen, you entered into a royal family. For you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. And he says, girl, you better get in there. And you better start batting them eyes like you ain't ever batted them eyes. And girl, you better go in there and start swishing them hips like they're fluid. You better get a hold of the eye of the king, girl. And some of y'all sitting there think, I don't know that they would do it. I'm going to tell you something. Yes, you. What do you think she was going in there to play pinochle? She might need to pull your head out of the sand. She went in there to seduce him. To get his attention, she didn't walk in there and say, let's play go fish and see if we get along. She walked in there, and I'm not going to do it because I'm a dude. She went in there swishing them hips, batting them eyes, putting on, I don't know what kind of perfume she wore, but it probably had a dab of bacon grease on it because she got his attention. I tell single women all the time, you want a man, get you some nice perfume, look good, put a little bit of bacon grease behind yours because he's a man, man. He'll come after you. 
Oh, hallelujah. I'd rather smell biscuits and gravy than flowers and lavender. Amen. Hallelujah. Every man ought to shout glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. She walked in there swinging them hips, batting them eyes, puckering them lips, fluttering at him. She walked in there strutting her stuff. She didn't walk in there as a pauper. She didn't walk in there as a beggar. She may have lived in a school as a slave, but when she walked in, my Bible tells me that she walked in wearing royal garments. See, she didn't have a right to wear royal garments. She was still a slave. She had only been selected to learn how to possibly be a queen. But when she realized the future of her people was determined on her ability to catch the eye of the king, she went ahead and she got a hold of some queen garments. And she went ahead and put on the queenly robes. And when she walked into the court of the king, she wasn't invited. She didn't put it on the schedule. She put on royal garments and she come walking in there. Matter of fact, she stunned Xerxes so much, I'm convinced he didn't even know that her feet were touching the ground, except the fact he was checking out her legs and saying, my God, where did this woman come from? As she comes gliding into the palace, and all of a sudden his little heart starts going thumpity, thump, thump, thumpity, thump, thump, thump. He started singing, what's your name, little girl, what's your name? Who is this that has come in here dressing? She didn't come in and ask to be queen. She came in and presented herself as the thing that she wanted to be. If you want to be blessed, quit living cursed. If you want to be healed, quit living and talking about your ailment and sickness. You want to step into what you want to be. Oh, I feel like shouting right now. If you want to be royalty, get off your beggar's garments, put on some royal robes, step into the king's court and say, I am what God says I am. Oh, hallelujah. She walked in with them royal robes. And that king didn't see just a good looking young lady or middle-aged lady, whatever she was. He looked at her and he saw a queen. That's even scriptural. The Bible says, he that findeth a, findeth a what? Findeth a wife, findeth a good thing. See, that's a problem. You, you want to get a good husband, present yourself like a wife. Because I'm going to tell you, it may catch the eye, the clever, the, the uh, trying to find the PC correct word, the, you know, the one that's, you, know, you, you catch my drift, the floosy, you know, just loosey-goosey, just kind of, you know, it may catch his eye, but it ain't the one he's going to take home to mama. He wasn't, he wasn't looking... He wasn't looking for one hot mama. He had a whole harem full of them. He was looking for a queen. And when all the other women walked in and tried to bedazzle them, him, 
She walked in and said, I am who I am. You see, when you got born again, amen, you took on, you became a part of a new family. You took on the spiritual genetics of your father, who is the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the God eternal. The heavens is his throne. The earth is his footstool. He is from everlasting to everlasting. That God is your daddy now. And you took on his spiritual genetics. And I'm going to tell you, I know it may sound a little sacrilegious to you, but you better hold on. Let me finish this. You need to learn to put a hand on your hip and declare, I am what God says I am. You see, I borrowed that language from my father who says I am that I am. Before Abraham was, I am. Now I know that I'm not the I am that I am because I'm not God, but I am of the I am. And so I am chosen. I am anointed. I am blessed. I am called. I am the church of the living God. I am the sheep of his pasture. Oh, somebody rejoice in that if you believe it. And so she walks in. I'm almost done. She walks in. And she catches his attention. And every other woman that went before the king brought him all kinds of talents, giftings, seductions. You know what she did? She walked in and said, hey, hey, baby. Hey, good looking. Throwing that hair around like Farrah Fawcett. I cooked you a meal, Big Daddy. I made you a banquet. Why don't you come put your little feet under my table? I made a meal for you. And he went in and he sat down. And when he saw her willingness to serve, he had already been married to a prima donna. He had already been married to the can't stop selfie Instagram girl. He'd already been married to the one that was too big for her britches. He already was married to the one that thought she was too highly of herself. That, that when the king said, I want you to come here so I can present you to the world in your beauty. He'd already been married to the one who won the beauty contest. Who knew to say the right things. Who knew how to walk the right way. He said, I don't want that now. I want the one that's willing to serve. And on this Sunday of service, the king is looking for somebody that's willing to serve him. He don't care about our talents. He don't care about our giftings. He's looking for somebody that's willing to say, here I am, king. 
I'll serve you. Well, if it ain't the ministry, I won't. No, 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 no. I'll serve you if you give me that big old diamond ring. Nope, it ain't that. It ain't that. I'll serve you if you if you get my family the biggest palace. And, and you see, that's what they would do. They would use those girls to connive them, to get palaces and lands. And he, she didn't do that. She just walked in and said, sit down, honey. I want to serve you. And he didn't look at a potential queen. He looked at that woman and said, that's my queen because she is willing to serve me. They may have been out. They may have been able to out pretty her. They may have been able to outshine her. They may have been able to outdo her outdance her they may have had more ability to speak more languages but when God took her from hidden Hadassah to shining Esther amen God allowed that jewel to shine in a way that could no longer be hid and it was based on her willingness to serve would you just close your eyes for a moment and lift your hands to heaven are you willing to serve the Lord Jesus with everything that you have. Are you willing this year as we step into this year of service? Are you willing to give yourself and say, God, in whatever capacity you want to use me, it's not beneath me. It's not beneath me to get involved. I know you got plans. I, I know your calendar's full. I know you got things on your schedule. Amen. But God says, no, 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 I'm the king. I'm the king. I, I know you got ideas. I know you got schedule, but I'm looking for somebody that's willing to erase things and rearrange things because I need them. I need them to serve in my kingdom. Amen. I wonder if there's any Hadessas here today that are willing to step out of the hidden shadows of what you were and you're allowed, you're going to allow God to put you in the palace of the kingdom to say, here I am. Lord, you can use me. I want to serve in your courts. I want to serve in your palace. I want to serve in your kingdom, God. Would you stand with me this afternoon? Oh, I feel the presence of God here. I, I, I can hear it right now. I can hear it right now. Pastor, that's a good message, and thank you for that, by the way. Pastor, that's a good message, but what does nursery ministry got to do with the kingdom? Aren't you stretching that a little bit? Jesus said for what you do to the least of these you've done for me pastor isn't it a stretch to say being on the clean team is a part of being in the a part of working in the kingdom not at all he's looking for workers who will serve in his kingdom Pastor, isn't it a stretch to say that being a, being an usher is somehow affecting the kingdom of God? Not at all. Because he's looking for somebody to serve him. Too often we think that ministry is only what's done under a light and on a platform. And it is ministry. But most of ministry is done And if you think you can only serve him here, but you can't there, the king's got a way of making sure you stay in school. 
until you say, here I am, God. Use me for your purpose. Esther was terrified to stand. You, you realize if she'd have said the wrong thing, if she'd have looked at him the wrong way, if he would have been in the wrong mood, he would have taken her head off her shoulders and not thought twice about it. But because she went in with humility and willing to serve. I don't want to walk in the court of the king demanding he give me stuff. I want to approach him saying, how can you use me? What do you need me to do, Lord? What do you need me to do? You, you want me to be a part of, you want me to be a Sunday school teacher? Yes, I'll do that. Yes, I'll do that. We're advancing the kingdom like that. It's so vital. It's so needed. We need, what do you want me to do, Lord? Give up a Saturday a month to help with maintenance? I'll do that, Lord, because it's your kingdom. It's your, I just want to be in your kingdom. What do you want me to do, Lord? You want me in media? What is it? Be a greeter? What is it that you want me to do, God? Because I, I don't want to be Hadassah anymore. I want to be an Esther. I don't want to hide anymore. I want to come out into the courts and I want to, I want to serve you. Would you just stretch your hands to the Lord right now? We're going to open these altars in just a moment. I feel the Lord moving in this place in such a great and a mighty way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Before you can come to the altars, before you can come into the presence of the king asking, how may I be of service? You need to change garments. Take off the beggar garment. Take off the garment that says I'm not good enough. Take off the garment that says I can never do that. I can never be used like that. I take off the garment that says I'm too busy. I've got other things to do. And you put on that royal garment and you say, no, he's called me to be in service in his kingdom. He's called me to be at service in his courts. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel him in this place right now. I wonder if there's a Hadessa and I'm not just preaching to women. No, no, I'm preaching to everybody. But I wonder if there's a Hadessa that's willing to move out of the shadows right now in this service and step to this altar as an Esther and say no I'm coming out this year I'm going to be more used of God this year than I've ever been my prayer life's going to increase my worship's going to increase my commitment to the Lord is going to increase that's it that's it make your way to this altar and say yes Lord you can use me yes Lord you can use me maybe you've never received the gift of the Holy Spirit you can receive it today just come to the altar lifting your hands saying oh God I want to come out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light I'm ready to change my citizenship I want to be filled with your spirit oh God that's it that's it that's it come with open hands and open hearts saying God use me Use me, your purpose, your purpose, your will, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. You are the king, I'm the servant. I just want to serve in your courts. I just want to serve in your courts. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us 
through that uh, website and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.